Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the main man himself, Trung Fan, and Bilal Zaidi here today. Unfortunately, Jack can't join us this week, but he should hopefully be back next week. Welcome to uh, Happy 2023, year, man. Happy, Happy New Year. I just New said welcome year. to, by the way, like I, was, okay. like I was introducing 2023 as a guest. You know what I mean? You're like a club promoter. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. We knew uh, uh, when I used to party in Manila, uh, uh, I used to party in Manila and uh early 2010s you can imagine shit got real this is like the trunk t fan that people know now like this is like a mature trunk t fan early 2010s was a different animal but i remember uh we used to have uh a uh i went to a party and in the philippines they just want to stretch that party all right They, they go hard in manila and uh they they want to keep the new year's party going so we went to a party in the second week of the new year and New Year's over. Wait, I'm like, wait, dude, wait, wait. To- New Year's over, but they're still celebrating. Is that what you're saying? No, the way they do it is like <laughs> they're so hyped. The, the, the mic guy, we were at a club and all night, he just go, welcome to the second week of 2012. <laughs> like, that's, you know, oh, just man, like, that's hilarious. It's like all night, just like trying to bring that New Year's energy, but it ain't New Year's anymore. But, but uh, everyone's on dry everyone- jan by that point, man. What's going exactly, on? Exactly, right? Exactly. Jesus Christ. Well, all talk right, us well- through. What's your, what's your resolution? Resolution? Oh, I know. I don't know if I got resolution. I, I didn't know if you going to spring that on me there, Trunk. I'm but springing it on no, you. Do no, you I, have one? The, the funny thing, I don't really do resolutions anymore. I do like, okay. I don't want to make this all semantic, but I generally have like focuses, which is similar, but it's not exactly like, oh, I need to do this one thing or whatever. But honestly, it's similar to what we already spoke about. So that's kind of my uh, perspective yeah, on it yeah. is I don't wait for the new year. I'm just like... Obviously, there's a renewed focus, but it's more aligning saying, is what I was doing before the last three, six months still kind of what I'm focused on? So that's kind of the same as what I spoke about last episode. What about you? You're going big this year, yeah? No, no, no Is it, no, is it no 2023 trunks year? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw this out. I do have a timed thing. And I've been, I told everybody asked me, when they asked me to take on a new project or like, do you want to hang out? X, Y, Z. I'm like, listen, my kid's still in school three hours a day. Okay. I'm just going to, we made it this far. I'm just going to hang with him. I know this is, this is not going to be here anymore. Right. Once he goes school full-time, full-time, that part of our lives will be over and he's going to be going school full-time, full-time in the fall. So me and my wife really just looking September, 2023, this kid's full-time school. We're going to have eight hours a day back. And uh, I mean, my wife's already like preparing by like, she's taking golf lessons. She's like, I'm going to start. I got to get in this golf game. <laughs> so she's like, I need to, I, I'm going to take up this uh, activity. I mean, the funny thing about golf, dude, I got to say, I, I, I'm not good at golf, but I get it. Like I go to the driving range, like you hit the ball and I, I've done, I don't, I've never done a full course, which is kind of embarrassing, but I've done like pitch and putt. And I've never like, done it either. Yeah. Like three hours on a pitch and putt, like a small 18 hole course where each hole is like a part two or part three. And you're just like, this is amazing, man. You can see why people get addicted, right? Yeah, dude, you're walking yeah. outside. Like it's a, it's not. Yeah. You're hanging well, with the boys or with the missus the in this word. case. The negative of it is like, you're taking up all this greenery, but like, it's like a part. I get it. I get the appeal of golfing, man. I totally get <laughs> you it. You don't want to get canceled so bad by the anti-golf conservation people. No, no, but I mean, like, God, it, it does take no, up yeah, a Yeah, I've, I've seen, what was that episode? A ridiculous um, amount of, who did the of revisionist history. That? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell. That was actually is, a pretty good one. And actually, I don't, know if, 
I don't know Amount if uh, you ever listened to our boy Nick Huber, sweaty startup. He was on Creator Lab back in the day, and he did. Uh, he talked about how golf courses were used for these crazy. Um, I forgot the technical term, but it was some real estate stuff around tax, and it okay. was it was uh, quite. They do some shady stuff. Well, let me add one more thing. On. One last thing. I love how um, so. If, your old uh, employers, uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, they, they historically, they hate golf. Like they, they've talked about it. It's like, we're not golfers. It's like, I don't give a shit about golf. I think somebody asked them out of business. Like, you know, do you like this like old school business stuff? It's like, no, I hate golf. And obviously it doesn't matter. They're worth hundred billion dollars. They can do whatever they want. But um, it's just so funny. The the general Silicon Valley vibe of, Hey, we're new money. We're coming up. Not, not speaking about Larry and Sergey, but just in general, like techies, so like they, a lot of them hate on golf, right? Because yeah. that's like East coast, old school money, yeah. but then they'll take up a habit that also rock spends climbing. eight hours a day. Rock climbing. <laughs> no biking, bro. Oh, biking yeah. is the funniest one. I had a buddy. He's like, yo, I hate golf. It's so pretentious. He has like a $5,000 bikes and goes on 10 hour bike rides. I'm like, bro, how is this any different? Same shit. Uh, to be fair, bike. I don't really do those long oh, yeah, bikes, but I can understand like... why they're amazing. But no, I, do you know what thing with Sergey as well? He's such a I'm obviously a genius guy, but like kind of a very weird guy. I remember just being in the office and he would just walk through, no shoes on, and then you go into the cafeteria and he's in the middle of the cafeteria just doing stretches. Like if someone's going to drop their soup on him by accident, like walking through, not seeing him. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, it's such a weird, <laughs> like I get, you know, it's your company, do what you want to do. But like, that's a little, it feels like you're doing it by purpose to show I'm right, different. Right. I can just stretch in the middle. This is It's big, the big ultimate energy. signaling, right? Well, last thing you had mentioned that Larry Page walked really fast and avoided eye contact because he had stuff to do, right? Was that the thing? Like he I don't walked know, did through I the say campus? that? Or did, I don't remember that. I remember Does talking about Eric like Schmidt bringing. Oh, was it Eric? Bringing oh, ladies. Bringing his through. ladies? Okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, that okay. was a different let's one. Get, but... Let's get to the episode. Anyway, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, cool. So, what we're talking about today is the AI stuff we're going to keep talking about, specifically Trung launch barely.ai. I think, was it a few months ago by this point? It was like a soft but, 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 launch. Legitimately like two months in. Two months ago. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go do a deep dive on that, kind of the idea, the use cases, how it's going so far, how he's looking at growth, all that sort of stuff. But deep stuff. And we'll talk a little bit about the wider era, the wider kind of implications of chat GPT, chat GPT-4 that's coming down the line. Um, some talk about competitors and stuff like that as well. And, and predictions we, for 2023 that yeah, we found. Yeah, and if we get get to it we'll talk about uh, some tech predictions for the year and the worst ones uh, in history as well so well, well yeah let's run down let's tease them stuff like uh steve ballmer saying the uh the iphone would never work but you know you got to give the man his due you, it's better to understand why they make the predictions uh, than just roasting them and uh, i guess the other thing that below uh we, we chat about was will kind of this stuff how do you protect yourself as an employee oh yeah well, i i, I I, That's a good I, as point. a white collar worker, like how should you be approaching AI? Because I actually got a chance to talk to uh, uh, Rune, the legendary pseudonymous Twitter account, and uh, uh, Ethan Mollick, uh, also a legendary uh, university uh, pen professor at Wharton. And uh, I wrote an article for Bloomberg. They gave some ideas of what they thought about it. But anyways, nice. let's get into it. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll get on to that then. So let's talk, start with Burley.ai. So yeah. we've we've already covered several times on the pod, you know, ChatGPT, OpenAI, what they are. Um, but just for people who haven't even heard that episode, could you just give like the 30 seconds of where we are with OpenAI right now? Because there's a lot of like buzzwords right. in there. And how does your app relate to, to that? 
Right, right. So there are a, a number of uh, uh, organizations, um, and you mentioned it in our pre-chat, that are building kind of these large language models, uh, uh, text, AI-powered text uh, summaries, and then image generation also is what a lot of people have seen. Um, and I mean, organizations like Google, like, like we talked about, Google kind of wrote the initial papers on these transformers that create these large language models that have powered what everybody saw with JetGPT, which is like AI powered text that can do like financial analysis or create legal documents, uh, uh, spit out cold sales pitches or help you with your coding. And it's literally just a text prompt, right? It's like you type in, hey, can you give me code to like scrape this website? And it will give you uh, an immediate answer. And, and again, not to say that this code is 100% correct. So one of the negatives of what we've seen and we discussed uh, in the previous episode is a problem with chat GPT and a lot of the open AI tech stuff that we're seeing is that it sounds so confident even when it's actually not correct, right? And that's actually one of the big predictions for 2023 that I saw was like these these organizations uh, have to make a decision around how much leeway do you let ChatGPT run, right? Do you just give it carte blanche where you let it answer and let it sound confident? Or do you just block and, and be very aggressive on what you will give answers to? Because Sam Altman, the former president of Y Combinator and now CEO of uh, uh, OpenAI, uh, the uh, AI research organization, which is worth about $20 billion, uh, Microsoft one of his biggest investors. He said in on December 10th, so a couple of weeks after uh, ChatGPT came out and like, Remember, we talked about Blau. You said uh, it was a company of the year in our yearly wrap, right? Like, can you tell listeners why you said it was company of the year? Yeah, it was probably just uh, recency bias. But the main reason was, I think it was the first time in the tech space anyway, uh, for a long time, maybe five to 10 years, where something came out and everyone was playing with it. And it was not just playing around like, oh, this is kind of fun, but it feel, felt like enough of a shift. That we're like, oh, we haven't seen yeah. something like this. We've seen the promise. We've heard the promise, but it actually seems to be delivering in, in tiny little ways. Totally. Um, and, I, and I think that was why I gave it to them because it's, it sounds like the obvious answer, but they, right, right. they are, and they beat you know, other people to it, right? They're not the only AI company in the world, exactly. but they are Google, one of the leading ones. As we've discussed, Google is sitting on a massively powerful large language model themselves. Yeah, exactly. uh, but they have much more regulatory and business risk to launch it. And like, we should probably just mention that. So I said that in the pre-chat that you just mentioned. So I was talking to a few people from Google about this and my understanding is beyond what they've they've said, there's been a lot of debate, you know, even publicly, uh, some of those AI people from Google have said it's kind of it's kind of a bad thing that these guys have launched this so early because not just for them, but just in general for the space because there is some value criticism that it's not really ready for that level of scale. I, I'm generally in the mindset of like, put it out, let people play around with it and put the disclaimer there, you know, um, and normally it moves things forward most of the time. But because some people at a place like Google are seeing like the third, fourth version of this, they're seeing yeah. how much more powerful it gets right. and essentially putting it out without, you know, really giving too much context around what's coming later it could potentially be used in a bad way. Um, and so, well, yeah. Well, for sure that, it already yeah. is, right? There, there, there's no question there's already spam farms using it. And Google itself is actually downranking AI generated text because you can fingerprint 
AI text. That, that's an mm, interesting part okay. of it, right? Yeah, that's a really there, good point. You can fingerprint it and uh, watermark it. And because at the end of the day, the part that I didn't really explain to anybody or for the listeners that do not know, I know a lot of our listeners do know, is ultimately what these large language models are doing when you query it. Like if I were to ask ChatGBT to write like, hey, write me the five reasons the Industrial Revolution were important. Like the way these things work is they're predicting the next word and uh, and they're predicting it, but they have a lot of uh, 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 data behind what they think the next word will be because it basically ingested the entire internet, right? So they've seen what uh, the uh, common phrases are, are, are ideas that link to each other. So this is probabilistic. So that, that's the thing about ChatGPT. This is not like these are the rules where it says, go to Wikipedia, search uh, the the right responses, and then like kind of pump out what already exists. It's like they're doing it based on probability. But this is what Sam Altman wrote much to what you said, Bilal. Sam Altman wrote this three weeks ago. He's the CEO of OpenAI. He said, chat GPT is incredibly limited, but good enough at some things to create a misleading impression of greatness. It's a mistake to be relying on it for anything important right now. It's a preview of progress. We have lots of work to do on robustness and truthfulness. I think he tweeted that out because of the blowback though. I think... People were so enamored by it. It just took over uh, Twitter and like tech, uh, the tech community for like two, three weeks. And obviously it's a huge win for OpenAI and Microsoft and Sam Altman, right? But it was very clear that there's a lot of criticism, including Elon Musk. Elon's like, Elon is one of the, he co-founded this organization, but left because he ended up having a different uh, view on it. He thinks AI is extremely dangerous. And um, okay, so having said that, there's large language models out there and at the end of the day, OpenAI is a research AI research organization. Uh, they, they they have a weird structure where they've capped their uh, they started out as a nonprofit, but now it is for profit. And the structure is kind of weird. But they said to investors, "We're going to cap your upside to hundred times." Right? Uh, some people are critical of the structure. They think that it's they, the, it sounds like OpenAI is getting the benefits of a nonprofit, but then also without the scrutiny that might come if it's purely for profit. So there's some, just want to put so to that clarify, out there. Is it, is it no longer a non-profit? Do we know the yeah, actual? It, it, it's new structure is that it, it, it is a for-profit uh, company, but it's structured in such a weird way uh, that they have some non-profit benefits. Like they get mm. to ingest the internet. They get to ingest images that so might cause legal protection. can a private company protection. not do that? I think they would have much more legal liability. Resistance. Yeah, uh, yeah, around, yeah, yeah. Like if you're an artist, you know, like a big thing with this movement is a lot of artists are looking at the AI generate art and they're like, you literally trained this on my work and I'm not getting compensated. But that's actually, so predictions wise, when uh, you had pitched for this episode to do AI predictions for next year, we went through uh, our boy Ben Tossel's uh, thread. Ben, we're going to get you on this show, man. Uh, yeah, just but, uh, for people, Ben has a great AI newsletter, Ben's Bytes. Uh, yeah, he's doing a killer. great job of rounding it da- up. He's the founder of MakerPad. And he's yeah. he's definitely going to come on here and probably create lab as well. So we'll do double, yeah, double. double up on it. Yeah. So Ben, uh, ben put out a... Uh, uh, the other day, maybe two days ago, he said, uh, what are your AI predictions? And I read through the thread. So is this uh, the sorry, one that ben. someone straight up copied and pasted? Is this no, the no, same? that was another one. That was another <laughs> one. Uh, but uh, one of the most common ones, they said uh, uh, two of the most common predictions for 2023 in AI was, uh, well, three. Number one is it's going to keep blowing up because GPT-4 is going to be released, which is a thousand times more powerful than GPT-3, which is what chat GPT is based on. The second prediction is going to be a lot more lawsuits and legal uh, liability and people, the, the government 
And the legal industry is going to have to put structure around what is acceptable in AI because so much is trained on existing text and existing uh, art. Like, what are the copyright implications? And uh, the, the the third uh, most popular uh, 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 prediction, which is related, is what is a regulatory framework going to be, right? Because it's so important now. So with that context, we can finally talk about barely AI now. So barely AI, not doing anything uh, uh, necessarily groundbreaking uh, uh, compared to like a chat GBT and underlying models, right? But what me and my co-founder Parham uh, uh, realized, or not necessarily realized, just like I consume a lot of content, right? And a lot of the chat GPT stuff- I think GPT that's an stuff, understatement, but- yeah, <laughs> a, lot, yeah. a huge understatement. A lot of the chat GPT stuff that we see is like, hey, can you generate this blog post for me uh, with uh, with a quick prompt, right? Like, give me 10 reasons LeBron James is the greatest player ever. And it will give you that, uh, it'll give you that explanation, right? But I've read through a lot of these generation things and, it, and listen, it's good and they give you ideas that you might not have thought about, but it's like 80% of the way there uh, like we talked about a lot, not all of it is truthful, but it'll sound very truthful. So the way I looked at AI wasn't like, oh, cool. Like it can just write my articles for me now. It's like, no, no, this literally is going to be an aid for me. So I want to think about what were the tools that OpenAI allowed in terms of reading and writing? Because I, I want to start focus on text initially that would benefit me. And what it came down to was if you look at what is offered? OpenAI gives access to its language models via API. And I know there's a lot of questions about what it's going to do with the business model. ChatGPT, for example, is free right now, but Simon Elman has said that they're going to charge money for it because it's costing them so much money. I think it's like a couple pennies a query, which compared to like a Google search is like an order of a magnitude higher. Do you so know the expecting... uh, estimate of how much it's costing them a month? Someone told me the other day and I can't remember it. So I saw, but it, 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 I saw when they hit a million uh, yeah. users, users. it's costing them like a it was costing them ended up if somebody did an average like one or two million dollars a day and that uh, was it that's crazy right yeah. and i mean so they have a deal with i mean they, microsoft's a big investor uh so people are asking what is the business model for open ai and sam altman when they asked him two years ago was like what is the business model for open ai he's like i don't know i'm just going to build the best language model out there and create an api and this is what he said then we're going to ask the AI, what we should do for a business model. Like he said that like non-ironically. Um, That's hilarious. But they're, they're, a lot of people think that they're going to gate GPT-4, slow rollout uh, and charge for it, um, which is fine. But the, but the one thing that I've seen is where people say like, they're not going to offer the API. Like they're not going to let startups like Barely AI build on top of it. I disagree with that. I think the best thing for Barely, if not for uh, GPT and OpenAI is they from the beginning they're they're AI research company right and they want to allow these APIs out there and build API business like Stripe they're going to be Stripe for AI right where uh, for our listeners Stripe obviously is a eighty billion dollar fintech company they are the API business for payments but the reason this makes sense for Sam Altman OpenAI and Microsoft is they can't predict what people are going to use right they just put it on the wild and make people pay for API access that's a great point and, yeah and Microsoft benefits hugely from this. It's better for Microsoft to allow that to happen than Microsoft to be like, no, we want to be the majority owner of OpenAI and like we want to keep it closed. That, but that's not Microsoft's business anymore. They have the cloud business. That is the engine of their company. They want people using the cloud. Guess what uses a lot of cloud resources? AI, right? Yeah. So I think the business model for OpenAI will continue to be and will be this an API first business. They will give and access so to, to Trunk, just to give 
a specific example of difference here. So the current way cloud computing works without going into all the details, the leader has been AWS, right? Yep. Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, Google also have their own uh, businesses and there's some other big players. From my understanding though, well, actually, let me not have a leading question. From your understanding, what is the difference between compute power needed for this sort of stuff versus what the norm is? So for my understanding, like AWS, a lot of what you're using AWS for is literally just old school web hosting. You know, yeah, that's yeah. one part. But then there's also like a lot of the backend stuff that you're you're processing, you know, all the stuff, everything you're seeing on the, on the internet that you mostly use and apps there, web apps or mobile apps or whatever. And whatever is being done on the server side, a lot of that is being done in the cloud on these services. So, but my understanding is the AI side is a little is a lot more strenuous than just I, what the norm I, I, is I right now. I can walk through the numbers. I know exactly the question. Uh, I I totally yeah. see the question you're asking. It's like how big of a business opportunity is this? I, I think yeah, it's and also I mean, like, is it just a lot more expensive to run too? Though it sounds like totally. it's way more expensive. Well, let's let's just say let's put it this way. I think as I'm listening to you, that this is the parallel that come to my mind is like what is obviously the biggest cloud hosting businesses now. It's stuff like Netflix, right? I'd imagine Netflix, the amount of consumption it does for AWS. Who's AWS' biggest customers? I think that would be a, the kind of question you want to ask, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I imagine Netflix is one of the How biggest customers. How that might customers. change too. Yeah. So, and and it goes to something that you've talked about with Google in the past. It's like, what is Google's business at the end of the day? It's like, they want to build services that billion people will use, right? So if you run a cloud company, you're literally searching for Okay, what is the what is a vertical where a billion people will be using this, right? It's consumer-facing AI could definitely be a billion-person type of business, right? And uh, you'd want this feather in your cap, which is why it was such a brilliant investment by Microsoft into OpenAI. And then obviously, like you said, Google has its own stuff. Amazon has a suite of uh, AI power tools. So uh, no one's really dropping the ball here. It's uh, to your point, it sounds like ChatGPT came out and they just have the mind share, but Google for regulatory and business reasons, don't want to risk it yet. So again, that's the entire framework for how I thought about OpenAI with my co-founder, Parham. And so, so, and so Trung, just to, to be specific though on that, so you were saying you saw all this amazing stuff being developed, but then specifically what you guys said was, we need to create something that builds on top of it. So could you just walk through that right. a little in well, a bit more detail? Well, build on top of it because like, we're not going to be creating large language models, right? It's like, we aren't that part of the stack. It's like the large language model, the co-foundational models, like that is where the, that's like AWS creating its cloud. It's like, we're going to build on top of it. We don't have the resources, the know-how and the capital to do that bottom layer. That bottom layer has been created and OpenAI is now allowing people to build on top of it. And there are a lot, right? Like the the companies we've talked about in the past, uh, the, the the kind of, a, well, Jasper AI is one, right? They, they're marketing and copy uh, writing focus. They have a billion dollar valuation and they're built on top of OpenAI. So these are the type of companies that can get built now where a lot of energy is being put in. And listen, we're not trying to change, we're not trying to build like the next Google, right? It's like the, our initial instinct right now is like, can you build a product that I would use right? That me as a writer and an internet creator that I would use every day, we've done that. And, and consumer, the question, key, because not everyone's writing like you are, exactly. but everyone's reading consumer. and taking stuff in. Everybody's reading. So I'm like, can we create that? And then the next question is like, if we can create a tool 
Uh, I'm, I'm bearing the lead here. It's like the, the, the main purpose here is like, I wanted something to quickly summarize articles that I read and also give me access to all the AI writing tools that OpenAI offers, right? It's like, it's like a grammar check, uh, rewording your existing text, giving you ideas for the next couple paragraphs based on something you've already written. Like these are all offered by OpenAI, right? And they've had this for uh, over a year in what was called an open AI playground. And you could have played around with it or GPT playground and played around with these tools. Like these tools have been here, but again, open AI is a research company. They, even though chat GPT was a huge consumer hit, they didn't expect it. And they aren't actually a consumer first company. And nor I don't think they want to be, I think they want to allow, a, you know, the idea of thousand flowers to bloom. It's like, here it is access it. So the main thing then becomes, so let's walk through the logic chain. Okay, there's a powerful text, uh, AI text model that can really help white knowledge workers, right? White collar workers and knowledge workers. And then there is the question of, okay, can you put, this is a lot of people make a joke. Can you put a GUI on top of it, right? Graphic user interface. That 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 a lot of people say that's a troll. Like I've seen a lot of people look at barely. There's like, it's just a GUI on top of open AI. But that's such a dumb uh, a remark to make because that's the entire point is you want to build something that people will use. So for us, Barely AI is this. It is instant access to all these reading and writing tools from OpenAI. And I'll just do a quick demo here. And the reason we made that is it's through a desktop app. So what it means is this. Let me show you this. Yeah, so let's pull up the demo. And again, for people who are only listening on Spotify yeah. or whatever you listen, so just, uh, if you, can, you can click so through the link on YouTube and watch exactly. this or we'll, we'll do our best to explain what's going on. So the, the way I thought about it is I didn't want another tab in my browser, although you can tab, but the way I work is I work in multiple documents, right? Google docs, Microsoft word, email. Uh, I have a notion room. It's like, I just want this tool whenever I need it. Right. So the way we did it is a, is a desktop app. And for the listeners, uh, all I'm doing here is hitting command shift P and then I have a drop down menu and it literally has access to Every single OpenAI tool that I want. And this is want, the desktop right? app, right? Yeah, Just this is clarify. desktop. So there's grammar correction, summarize, it polishes your text. Uh, it, it gives you expansion on your text. And you put a whole essay that you've written and then it'll kind of spit out the next like two or three uh, paragraph ideas for you. So... I don't want to, uh, we don't have to, but it, it takes a second, right? You just, here, I'll just do this, right? It's like a question thing. It's like, oh, why is the industrial revolution so important? Revolution, so. So this is basically, I mean, this is similar to JGPT, uh, but then it just spits it out, right? It's instant, it's instantaneous. And uh, I just wanted this tool no matter where. And so we created that, that's a desktop app. And another thing we did, we, we, we powered it with a Chrome plugin. So you have an article here and if I want a summary, cause I read so much. And the problem with reading is I'll read an article and, uh, and sorry, this is my computer so slow today. Hold on a second. Oh, uh, I'll read an article and I don't want to take notes during that article, right? Uh, and I don't want to take notes after that article. So note taking is like the worst thing ever. So uh, from the video there, it's just like, that's a, you clicked it and it, it spits out the summary for you. Yeah. Uh, again, summary's not perfect, but it's better than me doing nothing, right? Yeah. Well, so, I did it like one of the things we're going to talk about later, the bad tech predictions, I was testing it on, on that. And I still needed to, I mean, your article wasn't even that long. So it was quite easy for me to read through anyway, but there, there's plenty of times where I, if there's a long piece, I kind of want to see a quick exact summary essentially, which is what this does. Yeah, um, it frames it for you, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And then when I'm reading through, I know kind of what's coming ahead ahead of time, which helps someone like me. It's so, free to use. Uh, the way we did as a freemium model is if you hit uh, your daily, uh, uh, they're called tokens, but I think it's like four, call 4,000 tokens is like equal to 3,000 words, like about 75%, right? So you get X amount of words a day. And let's say you just wanted to draft uh, the first uh, uh, draft of an article. Uh, it might be a thousand words. That's free. Go ahead, use it, right? Or let's say that you are a worker in Southeast Asia and you have emails to answer, but maybe your grammar is not 100% spot on, or you wanted just uh, a way to answer based, literally, just you put an email in, uh, maybe to Western customer, and I'll give you a first answer, right? That's free. If you're a power user, you'll hit the paywall. And uh, the summary is definitely one of the uh, most used tools uh, that we have that in uh, first draft generation. But the business model is freemium, so it's free. You get to try it out. You get to try all the new features that we dig through. But then if you are a power user, then it'll cost 20 to $200 a month, right? So, uh, so, so $20 just a to month clarify, or $200 what, a year. What, right are you paying for, what, what are you paying for? What's the freemium part or the, the premium part? The, the premium part is there. We the, basically the limit for the amount of words you use is like, got it, got it's it. almost impossible to hit. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like 30 Moby Dick books. Uh, so um, that, that's what you're paying for. Um, $20 a month right now, $200 a year. We're probably going to uh, change that price because it's still entry because we're so we're so beta mode in the sense of like we're improving so much because we're getting so much feedback from our users. Uh, and this, so that I want to say that's the wedge. But ultimately, why being a desktop app and a Chrome app is really powerful is you can do so many things once, uh, once you're there. And it... We, what we do get asked on security side is like, you know, do you store any of the queries? And no, we don't store any queries, right? We store the metadata just for uh, for billing. Um, no storing of the queries. Uh, the moderation is done on OpenAI side. So sometimes some requ requests will be rejected. And it's just because for us to build on top of OpenAI, we have to agree uh, to their moderation uh, uh, parameters. Um, but again, these, this is a wedge, and it's a wedge in the sense of this. We've built uh, an installed desktop app uh, Chrome plugin. Uh, there's also a browser access uh, that's for the people that want to use it on their phones uh, mostly. And what we can do, though, is like we can pipe any kind of AI model into Barely AI now. So like we have image generation coming. You know when you see all these... So you're like, saying uh, it's, it doesn't have to just be... Is this all any, from OpenAI, basically? It, well, OpenAI or, or you could any expand. other. Yeah. So, so for yeah, example, now you've got Facebook interface. has yeah. an open source AI, uh, 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 has an open source AI model. We can access it, right? And in the future, let's say six months from now, Google's like, it's game time. We're playing. We're flicking on our own version of OpenAI. We can plug it in if they choose to open source that and have some type of API for pricing. So we've just built, at the end of the day, the pl a platform where we can add these tools. Now the question becomes, is this the right thing to do? Should you just focus and narrow down? Which is a very fair question, right? But I think, as I alluded to earlier, the reason why we built it this way is like, how does TrunkFan use it? How would TrunkFan use it? Because I, I want to build it for customer one, right? And I'm using it because it's so easy to access. It's not in the way. It's just when, there when I need it. And I think that is ultimately what AI is going to be. I think it's going to be there when you need it. There will be a point, I'm sure with GTP5, maybe GPT4, we'll find next year, you can replace a lot of people's work, but you got to keep humans in the loop for the truthfulness and robustness. And uh, we can talk more about that actually 
about uh, how do you protect yourself as a white collar yeah, worker? Yeah. The Bloomberg article I wrote. But uh, yeah, so those were my uh, that was my thinking around it. So uh, just to summarize, uh, I wanted something that could work in your workflow. And that's why we went with the desktop app and the Chrome browser. It's just in my workflow. Yeah, I'm not forcing no. you into a portal. It's like, wherever you work, you can use this. And we have a lot of feedback. And I just want to make this clear. It's like, if you don't, if that's not for you, totally get it. But I know for a fact, there are a lot of people like me, which don't want to deal with 30 tabs. And like, this is kind of the solution. No, I think honestly, for me, even just the command shift P, right? Like the, that's the shortcut, right? The shortcut, yeah. One click command away. Command shift P. And just, uh, I know you can set a custom one if you want to when you're signing up, but f like I'm someone who strictly uses desktop apps for like almost everything. Even like right. I, I get ones for skins where they don't even offer it and I'll like make a desktop app or I've got like on my iPhone, I've got right now ChatGPT as like an uh, an app on my homepage or, you know, whatever it's called. Um and so, yeah, I think I can see that being useful. Um, so just wherever you are, you can press the shortcut and you've got access to it. I think the interesting thing will be, like you said, as more and more stuff becomes available, you figuring out how many of those things you want to integrate uh, to keep some sort of focus versus and, and keeping the simplicity of the app, which I think right now is still in a good way, simple enough to use and it doesn't get too distracting. But if there was right. like, five times the amount of options, I totally. would be like, where do I go? Where do I start? Um, so I think that will be interesting to see. And again, it comes to these questions that we talked about, right? Is uh, what do you do with the new tooling? Do you, is it like, but I think you nailed it. If it's five times more, I mean, listen, I think the longer the, the if I was pitching a VC play is this, is like, you just build it as a hub for these different tools. And what, like, let's say you're a lawyer, and that you needed a, a AI powered research tool and that your law firm goes to, okay, you know, barely uh, uh, they have uh, uh, protection for user information and uh, they can create some type of team backend. You look at this and let's say you logged on as a lawyer. Well, to your point is like, can you simplify it for a lawyer? Do they want 30 different tools or do they want the five most lawyer used kind of powered yeah. AI things, right? It's like exactly. same with marketing. So there's a world, especially because we get so much feedback. If you could build a community of people and users that are, are like basically suggesting what these prompts are, even making them, uh, like we definitely have the ability to have uh, a user generate type of prompts. Right now we'd have to create them, but there'd be a world where they can just do themselves and like maybe offer those up. So you'd have like rankings of the most popular prompts used by lawyers, the most popular prompts used by marketers, the most popular prompts used by financial analysts, right? Like that would be, I think, let's say six months from now, you logged on as a financial analyst and it just said, you should use these five tools, right? But that'd be pretty interesting, right? Yeah, I that's kind of how I see a lot of these things playing out longer term. Like you said, it's just more specific use cases because a lot of people, like we've said a lot on the blockchain stuff in the past, the, the best kind of products, you don't really know necessarily what's going on in the background. You just know your problem and the solution that they've created for you. So like, that's why I think your original focus when you kind of launched it, you had talked a lot about consuming and creating, right? Which is what you do. So it's perfect yeah. for your alignment with people what they know you for. Um, it wasn't saying, hey, if you're a mathematician, I'm gonna help you with your maths work. If you're an economist, I'm gonna help you with this or whatever. So I, I think that helps just on like the packaging side. And I'd love to get Jack's take when he's back on yeah. how he thinks about it too. Cause I think he's really good at 
thinking very clearly about like a specific use case and like banging on about it you know in a good way so um that'll be interesting to see like you said as it evolves uh, another thing you mentioned before we start recording was some of the things you've kind of learned and what you'll be doing now going forward um as it relates to like the cost of running something like this so you you were talking about how um let's say you go on our podcast you guys on the back end might be using multiple uh platforms we, that open right. our facebook so API. the beauty the beauty of what uh parham my co-founder did was like at the end like yes right now is for chung as a ai research power tool and for all the users you know thank you so much for giving this a try giving us the feedback and bearing with us as we perfect the product is um those are the toolings now but the visions because it's already there right it, they're installing people's desktops it's they have the chrome plugin it's like there's so many use cases you can have for it now and the use cases on the consumer side but there's also use cases on the supply side which means the api access is like there's so many open uh source models right uh not 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 saying OPI is open source but i mean there's so many available models like stability diffusion is an open source model uh open ai has also have their term but they have their api available and if, if uh any other company that starts launching their apis one of them is going to end up probably being the best for whatever vertical they choose to be in, right? And like we can access that. And that's kind of the play with Barely moving forward is like routing queries and requests to where the best results will be. Also, what, uh, who came up with the name, man? What was the story with that? Oh, it was a group. Of, so Parham, uh, I worked with him at a Kensho. Uh, he was the head of infrastructure. It was an AI fintech company acquired by S&P Global. And uh, uh we just known each other for six, seven years on and off. And we've always worked on weird like side projects. And uh, and uh, I'm gonna give credit to him on this one. But uh, as soon as I saw it, you know, I love a dad joke. I'm like, oh, nice pun, man. Let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, all right, well, the, the other question, last question I had on it was, um, I was talking to my friend about the chat GPT and all the kind of startups that are building on top of it on, on the open AI stuff. And the question that keeps coming up, which you kind of mentioned before was uh, like this idea of defensibility essentially. So for the other people who are going to try to create something yeah. very similar to what you guys do for another vertical, or they come in and they already have crazy distribution with, let's say morning brew, just cause they're your old competitor. I know, uh, you guys are friends and stuff as well, but let's say Morning Brew comes along and said, we've got 2 million people on our list and we're going to create a version of this and launch it to them. They just have a massive head start. Uh, I know you've obviously already got your own following on Twitter and stuff, but like, how do you think about, is that even something you think about? Uh, or yeah, I'm just curious how you think about it. No, now. that's a great question. Uh, well, number one was, I think, Let's talk about ChatGPT. So when that dropped, I know a lot of people that were doing stuff like we were doing were a little bit concerned, right? They're like, oh my God, ChatGPT and based on how much they're giving away for free. So let's just call it a million dollars a day that they're doing, or maybe 2 million. These guys are going to do 50 mil a month, 500, 600 mil a year in free marketing for G ChatGPT, right? And that, that, that that's, is that really unusual for customer acquisition? Like Uber's burnt $30 billion, right? So like, and Microsoft is behind uh, OpenAI or supporting them as a big investor. So like, I know I know a lot of people that are building on top of the OpenAI models are like, oh my God, are these guys just going to wipe us from 
like the scenes, like, I'm just going to offer this for free. But I think something I noted earlier is I think at the end of the day, like OpenAI is an AI research firm. I don't think consumerization is their strong suit. And this is from their own mouths, right? They've said it themselves, like consumerized, like we didn't think ChatGPT would blow up as much as it did. I mean, the technology itself is two years old, like the underlying model. I know they made some changes and tweaked it up a bit, but like this stuff's been around. And um, I think the key becomes this. I think ChatGPT will start charging. So that free part is going to get taken away a bit. And uh, the kind of uh, the startups that will do really well, like the generational stuff will be uh, very industry focused. Uh, like if you did a healthcare focus one, you just crush, right? Um, the the best example I think out there is GitHub is a co-pilot. GitHub's also owned by uh, Microsoft, but they use Copilot, uh, which helps coders code. And I've read somewhere that it means that coders had to write like fifty percent less code. But yeah, like, it's crazy. It's crazy, right? That's I've seen like people specific. do it in person or like on a computer. Anyway, it's incredible. That, that, yeah. So like that's the startup, right? Those industry focused ones will just absolutely crush it, right? Like, I think the other one's those, legal, man. Because yeah, legal, even though legal's a huge not, one. Even if they're not always open to the newest stuff, but if you just think how much stuff they're processing oh, reading and writing they do yeah exactly yes yeah, crazy yeah so those opportunities are massive uh um those will exist those will are not threatened very much by ChatGPT, to be honest although i've read somewhere that uh, uh and i kind of agree with it in a way is that the next the uh gpt4 the next uh open ai model which is apparently a thousand times more powerful is like if you're building like a vertical business like you're building healthcare and you're training that model on chat GPT, uh, on OpenAI's uh, GPT-3, the next GPT-4 is so good in terms of uh, its power, the parameters it's been using to train it, that even though you specifically train in one vertical or one industry, the next version is going to be so good that it's going to blow out your specifically trained one, right? So I think that was, I think Sam Altman even said that. But ultimately, uh, having your own models, training your own models and very spe- uh, specifying them is a powerful place. But then if you're talking about stuff like that barely the barely team is working on like a GUI on top of OpenAI I think yeah I it was scary when ChatGPT dropped it but then at the end of the day the the use cases we have it actually wasn't crossing over with ChatGPT it wasn't a lot of just like long form text generation a lot of stuff we saw was on the other side like the summarization or rewording grammars like there's different toolings and again what do you do if an asset or one thing becomes a commodity. So in this case, the commodity is the large language model, right? So what do you do when that's a commodity? You have to have better distribution or you have to have a better user interface uh, uh, for functionality or simplicity of use, right? So those are the layers that Barely is playing on. And to your point about, uh, let, what, let's say that the brew dropped a, a tool, right? Uh, I, I frankly, I think, uh, uh, Parham, the coder, my co- my, my coding co-founder is an animal. I don't think they're going to be able to match that. Uh, but uh, the other part of the equation is the software is so massive. That's the one thing I say to take away from this is like for this to become a seven-figure business, we need five thousand customers, paying customers. Like that that's, that's not crazy. a lot, right? That's like, not a lot. Think about yeah. that. That's not a lot. And yeah. like even when I talk about, it, I'm like. We need 5,000. Like, I can't find 5,000 people in Southeast Asia. You can do one on one. Eastern Uber that that aren't English native. Uh, Like, that, even just that market. Or I can't find 5,000 white collar professionals that don't want to save themselves from reading and writing like 10 hours, tens of hours a week. Yeah, completely. 
tens of hours a week. So that's how I'm thinking about it. I think the market's massive. Uh, yeah, there's enough for I, everyone to eat, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with Can that. Can you man. target that? Ex and the, actually, the way I initially thought about it is, are there 5,000 people exactly like me, as in they're so lazy to manage all these tabs that they just want this solution? There is. There absolutely is. It's so my job to find them. The people, yeah, definitely. Uh, for the people <clears throat> who are using it, what are the what are people using it mostly for? Do you know from summary is like, huge. Uh, uh, yeah. Rewording is very big uh, of like existing text. Uh, so again, like this is like as I kind of mentioned, it's like they're not looking just for, hey, can you write me my my blog, right? It's like I have existing text, I have existing workflows that need augmentation, right? So if I'm told by my employer that I have to read these five articles and like give them a summary, well, we're helping you with that, right? We're saving you literally hours, hours and hours of week if that's your job. Yeah. Uh, first draft is another popular one. Uh, that, that That's quite similar to ChatGPT, but it's more customizable on our end, I think. And the the freeness of ChatGPT, that's going away. People have to understand this. It's not going to be free forever. So you have to find a, a, a kind of a, a, a app or solution that works in your workflow. So yeah, yeah. that's how it ends. Right? That's great. All right. Last thing on this topic, let's talk about how to save your your job from chat GPT. You wrote about it. So l let's talk about like the types of jobs that you, I mean, we've both been playing with these tools for yeah. a month or two or longer for you probably because you've been building this in the background. Like just from my perspective, like I've already spoken to people who, let's say SEO, like my world, marketing, right? So lots of people are using it for SEO already. You did mention there Google is already down ranking like straight up auto-generated stuff. I don't exactly understand how that works. Um, in t you, you mentioned the fingerprinting, but let's say you use this to create 10 articles that are you know, long form articles about a particular topic as a first draft, but then you go in with a human, as a human, like actually edit it in a way, that still saves you 80, 90% of your, your workflow. I spoke to a friend last week who's not a you know, full on coder coder, but he's like technical enough, like he's learned a decent amount. Um, and he said he saved a whole day's worth of work using um, you know, chat GPT essentially to, to create code that would help him solve an issue he's had for years, basically that's been sitting on the side, it sounded like, uh, and he, he was finally able to just let it fix uh, something that he couldn't figure out. And previously you would go and, and search on Google and you'd click through to GitHub and you'd go in a forum and you'd say, oh, well, that sounds about right, but th that's not exactly what I need to do. Um, and and you'd maybe figure it out, but even that takes a long time. So I think for that sort of use case, it really um, is helpful as well. And I think the other one, just again, from my world, is marketing copy beyond SEO, but just like, let's say Facebook ads or you know Google yeah. ads, you have to write these like, long you know they, they're kind of short but you write lots of these variations and this is amazing like i know there's is it copy.ai was another company that was been around for yeah, a little copy, bit of time copy does that really well i mean the the copy was probably quite concerned too with chat gpt because i saw a lot of response way before like, right oh i just canceled my copy because chat gpt yeah, just does it right um i don't i mean i don't know how many people did that uh and i know they've done a great job building yeah, that business. decent size i'm pretty sure they're like 10 million plus revenue i think that yeah i think that i think they hit eight, eight figures they are uh um based on some stuff i saw on twitter so but, uh, based on those examples and others you might have what do you think people should be thinking about in terms of essentially using this as a tool to help you versus it competing with you 
Right. So uh, Ethan Mollick, uh, who I mentioned is professor of uh, Wharton uh, UPenn, great Twitter follow, by the way, but he's been really on top of um, uh, kind of the large language models and what he's seen. And he's, uh, he's done research on the topic for uh, like a decade uh, and about automation. So he brought up some very interesting points. Okay. So this is what Ethan said to me and I communicated this in my Bloomberg article. He's like, you think about where AI can work. And we touched on, there's still a ton of errors, right? And the problem with the errors is they sound so confident when they say it. Uh, there's a really viral tweet of uh, somebody that asked ChatGPT, hey, can like, a, a, can like a burrito be used in a medical setting? They're like, yeah, it can because its shape is circular and you can fit it into. So it's, it sounds super confident, right? So the way Ethan said his framing of it is this. He goes, okay, how much error tolerance does your industry have, right? If you a manager of a nuclear power plant, you probably have very low error tolerance, right? You probably don't want to have ChatGPT running loose and making decisions or, 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 or writing the documentation without humans in the loop there, right? Totally fair. So he's like, error tolerance is what you're using as a way to think about it. In a creative field, like a lot of what I do, let's be honest, it's creative, is uh, even though I'm supposed to be writing, you know, nonfiction stuff about business, but, you know, a lot of interjection of uh, uh, humor and uh, uh, weird analogies, you can accept a lot of error, right? If yeah, I love that as your description of your work. <laughs> right? When your parents ask what you do, you say, I write pretty serious stuff, but I throw in some jokes and I throw in some weird analogies. That's exactly. a perfect description, yeah. Exactly. So the... Uh, there's a high error. I actually, I don't, I don't even know which way it is going. Low error tolerance sounds low. You can't tolerate a lot of errors, right? I can tolerate a lot of errors. So using ChatGPT, using OpenAI, using Barely uh, to touch on the uh, OpenAI models, that's totally game. It's like, because I can correct, I'm in the loop. I can make those corrections, right? So I think that's a very important framing. So I think that's where actually healthcare, we talked about it is like, you want, humans in the loop. You want a lot of guardrails, right? So that makes this threat of AI a lot less tangible. I know that people are saying like, oh, uh, I saw one of the predictions from the Ben Tossel thread that we talked about. It's like, oh, you know, medical professionals are going to be replaced. I'm like, no, man. It's like, you can't, <laughs> the amount of liability involved is like, can you get good information? Yes, you can. But Ethan, uh, uh, Professor Ethan pointed something out that's quite interesting. He's like, there's a lot of research that shows uh, when you find out that an AI or it's been only computer uh, recommended, you lose your faith in it, even yeah, if it's trust. correct, right? Even if like medical, there's a study about in medical settings where like the doctors were given statistically correct information, but the doctor's like, no, I'm trusting my gut. Even though, you know, they, the numbers say they shouldn't do something because they don't, you, the human thing, right? The human element, same with HR settings. Like there's a study of, uh, 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 of, you know, worker productivity and like recommendations that uh, management should do. Computers told them uh, to do something. Management imply, uh, uh, implemented it, improved uh, uh, the uh, productivity. But when the employees found out where the recommendation came from, AI, they're just like, no, we're out. Even Does this not remind you of being in a relationship, bro? <laughs> you'd, be you, say, you'd be saying it for three years and then some random friend would no, be like, hey, have yeah, you yeah. thought about doing this? And you're like, what? 
I'm, I'm pretty Bro, sure we said this last week. That happens yeah. all the time. Same I'm, thing. Like, hey, you yelled at by my wife. She's like, oh, now you're doing it because you're freaking five friend group chat. Like sent yeah. you an article. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the worst is when you think you came up with it yourself. Exactly. Your boy put it in the group chat. You're like, oh, I've got this amazing idea for this AI interface that's going to go on top on the desktop app. And your wife's like, we talked about this three months ago. <laughs> that was from me, motherfucker. Anyway. But yeah, so uh, back no, to what right, you're saying. That's, exactly I, that's a so, great uh, filter, like though. I didn't think about error, it. The, the error tolerance like the, l- 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 let me what do you think about that from a professional I think that's model? a great no I, that's a great um, filter because it makes you think like you said we're you know 2023 now how many people realize how much you're flying a plane is done by a computer right like a right. lot of it is done right. but you still got a, a pilot in there because first of all we probably would be scared if there wasn't um, a, a human in there but two things go wrong and sometimes you need um, you know that human judgment as well and of course I'm sure they're doing lots and lots of things as well I don't know the details of it but I know that a lot of the you know a lot of the work has been done by computers in a lot of cases in a lot oh, of yeah. our jobs and uh, which, like which, talking- is, which is negative too though right it's like yeah. to I think your airplane predict uh, example is so interesting because there is actually an entire this upcoming generation is so dependent on the autopilot for uh, uh, takeoff and landing that on the edge cases th- that is concerning how right how to do it yeah yeah you so want someone actually, who knows happening. how to drive stick when you're in Europe exactly. even if you're driving uh, you know all so in the US so this is a problem right this is a, yeah. a, a even though in totality it's safer if you look at the numbers you know, we're entering a world where there might be like, there's actually a very good example of this. It's in the surgical space. There's a tool called a Da Vinci uh, surgical machine. And basically it's a surgery uh, tool that one doctor and one assistant can use in a surgical setting uh, instead of like 10, you said like a dozen people in a surgical setting, but this tool it's from uh, uh, intuitive surgical. It's a, it's a crazy machine, but what it's creating is it's creating issue because do you have surgeons that are maybe 56 years old? Now they're the pros of using this machine. But the problem with the surgical settings that they are using it, and now you don't have, it's difficult for them to hand it off to the next generation if they're in the same room, right? It's like, because of what's at risk? So what's ended up happening is this next generation is coming up. Like they're learning, but like in like a video game setting, like they're unable to actually get the hands-on experience because when you're allowing the machine to take over a lot, like if instead of um, in a previous surgical setting where you just help prep everything, now everything's kind of being done or you need a lot less human access. It, it, it's known as, it's automation paradox. Okay. No, I, I think that's a great example. And just to finish um, from your question before about what I thought about it, I, I still think though it is going to dig into the number of use cases or the frequency of, that you might have needed the human, right? So in the, in the medical example, maybe not surgery because that is a 10 out of 10 complex life on the line sort of thing. But let's say I've got a rash on my arm. Obviously that could also be 10 out of 10 scary if it's the wrong thing. But nowadays we move from, I need to go to the NHS provided doctor down the road, wait in line. And you know, the accessibility to that person is super high. It's, It's super high friction. Then we've moved to like a world of telemedicine where a lot of the time you can just say, I'm gonna click this button in my app they're going to be able to take five times more patients in a day because of the ease of, you know, accessibility. And they can look on FaceTime and say, oh, that looks about 95% chance sure, uh, 95% sure it's this. Uh, Just take this. We're going to send you a prescription. Now, I think we'll move to a world where something like that 
could easily be done through you know image recognition right, right. At, with a you know highly trained AI model for medical use cases where the database and what is uh, the AI has been trained on you know all the the images of rashes in the world like whatever and so I think that's where the AI use case helps take away the frequency I needed to go to a doctor but it doesn't mean you're not going to have doctors anymore it just means you're going to help those people in the loop right exactly exactly yeah so um so, uh, let, let, let me give sense. you one more frame okay so that that was a good frame uh uh the uh the error rate i really like that so think about what industry you're in and uh even if it's a lower error rate you just think if it's more creativity involved it's like it's just going to make you more creative right and give you things you never thought about because sometimes you read boost, these prompts man. yeah it's yeah. a power boost you've read like it, it, They've read the entire internet. Like, it's got ideas, right? <laughs> and that's not necessarily true or correct, but this MF read the entire internet. You know when people joke that this motherfucker read the entire internet? It read the entire internet. Um, the other one is um, uh, former Bloomberg opinion columnist Noah Smith. Uh, uh, the in incredible uh, substack. So Noah, Noah Smith substack. Really good. I checked that out. And uh, Rune, AI researcher, uh, Legendary pseudonymous shit poster on Twitter. So that's R O O N Rune. Uh, I had a chance to chat with them. They wrote a, I had a chance to chat with Rune. He wrote an article with Noah about they addressed this issue. It's like, what is going to happen to knowledge workers and AI? And uh, they came up with something called the sandwich model of, uh, of work. So they're saying kind of what we've alluded to. AI is not going to replace workers. Humans are going to stay in the loop. AI is going to augment them. And the way they describe it is the sandwich. So humans give AIs a prompt. So like you said, it's like, hey, can you look at these five like uh, x-rays for me, right? And then the AI generates the solutions. Like, hey, here are six problems we might have found from these five x-rays. And then you bring the human back into the loop. So it goes human, ask AI. AI gives an answer. And then human chooses one of the options, edits and adds touches. That's how AI is going to work to, uh, in their estimation. And this is what they wrote. I'll leave this last bit. They wrote, uh, Smith and Rune said the workflow uh, for any type of generative AI and gives a couple of examples. Here's an example. Lawyers will probably write legal briefs this way and administrative assistants will use this technique to drop memos and emails. Marketers will have an idea for a campaign, generate copy on mass and provide finishing touches. Consultants will generate whole PowerPoint decks with coherent narratives based on a short vision and then provide more detail. Financial analysts will ask for a type of financial model and have an Excel template and then they will fill in the data or they will edit the data, right? So the sandwich model. So I think these two ways of looking as a white collar so worker. Prompt. So just to clarify, it was humans the prompt. give prompt. Yeah. AI gives menu of options. And then humans you pick take and it. edit. So Beautiful. sandwich model. That's a great way to, that's a great frame. Exactly. And again, like based on that, like I know, I think we talked about on this, you know, part a few episodes ago and on Crater Lab, I had two people on talking about AI stuff as well. And we talked all about like AI assistance, the kind of idea of AI assistance. What you've built is essentially an AI assistant in your browser, right? Um, it's assisting you with What was summarizing. the takeaway? What, what did you well, think about but it? Essentially, I just think that idea of like an assistant giving you a power boost, 10xing your productivity, saving you 10, you know, 10 hours of time, that is that to me is like the idea that is like not me just, replacing you right don't be scared yeah, right yeah Use just, it. exactly the same way a computer was right but this is like way um you know more leverage but just the same way 
you know, spell check was better than me reading exactly. analog you know, piece of paper, right? So that it's the same thing, but just a lot more powerful. Well, you laugh about this. So the last thing I'll say about the Bloomberg article I wrote was uh, Professor Mollick said, uh, um, the AI he's seen, the chat GPTs, uh, and, and kind of these open AI models he's seen is, it's like a magic intern with a tendency to lie, but a huge desire to make you happy. So use accordingly. Yeah, that's a great way to summarize it. All right, so yeah, so the summary on that, on um, how to not get replaced, is just essentially use it to your advantage. And I think the main thing for me is just making sure you're playing around with this stuff because you don't want to yes. just be in the dark. You want to know that's what's available huge. and you yes. can just use it for the things that's actually going to help you out. And if you start to see, actually, this is going to replace the stuff I'm doing, then maybe it's a, it's a good time to be the person like operating that AI, right? Like it doesn't mean you're a straight up um, technical person. It just might be someone who, who knows how to use the software. That is already better than 99% of the population right now. If you're listening to this, you're already way ahead of 99% of the population. Like do your parents know what chat GPT is? Except for if you show no them. There's no chance. If you can't listen to this, you're already ahead of the curve. Like you're exactly. already playing exactly. around with it, which I think is the most important thing. Um, all right, let's quickly wrap up, Trung, unless you had anything else on the AI. On you know, the I think we can probably even skip the predictions. We I think we, predictions? Uh, yeah, right. we went deep. This is good, man. We went deep. All right, cool, cool. Let's Are you just, happy? So, Are you satisfied with this I conversation? Good. I think we uh, put out a good hour there. So let's skip that. Maybe we'll bring that up next week or something if, yeah. if uh, anyone wants it. Um, all right. Thanks for going in deep there, Trunk. And uh, I'll be back hopefully in New York by the time uh, this comes out. And uh, next week, be back in the normal office. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And happy well, New actually, Year again. Well, actually, anybody, I didn't even tell the spelling of it. It's B-A-R-L-Y dot A-I. <laughs> I think yeah. we can link to it. Yeah. I think we can link to that one in show notes. Yeah, as well. we'll link to but it, yeah, man. Uh, don't worry, we'll be shilling a lot of barely this year. 100%. Anyway, congrats on that, man. That's, it's really cool to see you make that in the no, time we've known it. each appreciate other. I appreciate the usage, it's man. Yeah, 100%. All right, man. I'm going to have to run as well. But uh, yeah, good to catch up. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one next week. Cheers. Cheers.